When I was in junior high, my Sunday school teacher uh, had us memorize a lot of verses from Romans. And uh, this is certainly one of them. Paul says, therefore, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That verse is worth more than its weight in gold. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God, how? Through our Lord Jesus Christ, and specifically through what Jesus Christ, our Lord, did on our behalf at the cross of Calvary, which is what this is representative of. So as you peel back the first layer and you take the bread, we are reminded of the sinless body of our Lord Jesus Christ that hung on that cross. He voluntarily gave himself up in order that he will be the sacrifice for our atonement, for our salvation. So let's take that together. As you peel back the second layer, you have the juice that represents the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ as it was shed on the cross on our behalf, the very payment for our sins. Let's take that together. Gracious Father, we praise you and we thank you that as your children we have been justified by faith through our Lord Jesus Christ, by faith. We thank you even for the faith that you've granted us in order to believe. Many things we don't understand. I don't know that we fully comprehend anything when it comes to you, especially, Father, but we rejoice in the things that we have been um, allowed to understand and to receive by faith. We thank you for the sacrifice of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at the cross of Calvary. Lord Jesus, thank you for taking our place at the cross. We praise you and we thank you. We glorify your holy name. And Holy Spirit, we're grateful that you have made these truths known to us, that you have opened our spiritual eyes, our mind, our heart to receive this gospel message. We thank you for everybody who's here. For those watching online, we ask that you would guide us, that you would teach us, that you would help us to focus on you, not just this morning, but for the rest of our lives. We pray this in the wonderful and mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen, beloved. This morning, what we want to do is we want to continue talking about what it means to be a member of a local church. Uh, last week, we talked about belonging to a body. Today, the message is entitled, Serve and Sacrifice. And what's going to happen is when you look at your, your, pamp, your, your handout that says... Um, the seven basics of belonging, serving and sacrificing are two of those points. And what I said with that, what I wanted to do is I want to go through Philippians. Because Philippians is a letter by the Apostle Paul written to a local congregation. And so everything that's in that is applicable to us. And as I've I don't know how many times I've read Philippians. I'd say three. I'm just kidding. I've read, I don't know how many times I've read Philippians. I'm sure, I don't know, 40, 50, I don't know how many times I've read it. But it's one of my favorite letters. It's really short. If you read it in one sitting, you, you can read it in about, I think I, I timed myself during the week in 11 minutes. You can read Paul's letter to the Philippians in 11 minutes. Take 15, you know, go slow. 
But 15 minutes, you could read a Holy Spirit-inspired letter to the church in Philippi. And I want to encourage you to do that. I hope that everybody did that. I asked you to do that. Read Philippians all the way through or listen to it. Uh, the technology that we have, most of us on our phone, is, is amazing. Let's use it for good. Uh, but go through the whole letter. And as I've been going through this letter with the local membership in mind, it's kind of opened my eyes to a whole different understanding of, of the letter and, and perspective. So I'm really enjoying reading through Philippians as I'm thinking about uh, what it means to be a member of a local congregation. So what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to read Philippians chapter 2, and that's going to take me about three minutes, and everybody will be all right. So take a look. As I'm reading, if you have a Bible, read along. Uh, if not, just listen and try to imagine Paul in prison writing this letter to the church that he established to the believers in Philippi. And listen to what it says. And as we do that, kind of keep in mind the seven points of our seven basics of belonging, which are worship, growth, service, giving, praying, unity, and sacrifice. That's what it means uh, to be part of a local congregation. So Philippians chapter 2 says this. He says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for your own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that the, at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world." holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on, on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I, that I also may be encouraged when I know of your estate. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel. Therefore I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Yet 
I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your, but your messenger, and the one who ministered, who ministered to me in my need. Since he was longing for you all, and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick, for indeed he was sick, almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I send him the more eagerly, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem, because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. I'm telling you, beloved, beautiful. This is Paul writing to a local congregation. I, I, you know, I, I sometimes let my uh, sanctified imagination run wild, and I would imagine what would, if, if, if the Apostle Paul could and would, if he, would, if he was to write a letter to Crosspoint, what would he say? And I think he would say a lot of the same things that are here. But how awesome would it be that he would call some people out by name? And in chapter 4, that may not necessarily be a good thing, because in chapter 4, we're going to see how he calls a couple of ladies that weren't getting along by name and kind of puts them on blast in front of everybody. But what would the Apostle Paul write about you if he was to write a letter to Crosspoint? Would you be mentioned? Would, you, would, it, would it be a positive thing? Or what if he did mention everybody by name? And he would say a little something about everyone. You know, he's in heaven. He knows a little, got inside scoop on everyone. And he would take the time to write a little couple of sentences about everyone here at, at uh, church. And then we would get to read it in front of everybody because that's what happened here. They would get the letter from Paul and everybody would get together. And he would re- they would read it out loud and like, oh, yeah, Epaphroditus. And oh, yeah, Timothy. All right. So before I get into my three points, it's gonna, my three points are going to be uh, short and sweet. But I just want to remind you of what we're doing here as far as the seven basics. And I want to, my three points are going to deal with service and sacrifice and how that relates to us. But before I do that, I also want to point out just a couple of things. In, in Philippians chapter 2, it's big on unity, right? Paul says, look, if there's, he's in prison. And, and, and in, in large part, he's in prison because of the kind of work that he did in order for the Philippians to be saved. And so he says, look, if there's, if there's any consolation, if there's anything good, he goes, fulfill my joy. He goes, the one thing that I would really appreciate from everybody is basically this, be united. Be united. Have the same mind. Be of one accord. Let the mind of Christ be in all of us. And if every single one of us has the mind of Christ, then that is going to mean that my, my mind is the mind of Christ, and so is yours, and therefore we're going to have this incredible supernatural unity. And that's what Paul wants for the church in Philippi. That's what God wants for our church, to be united. In order for us to be united, you have to be involved. And when you get involved, you have to be ready to fight Listen, you have to be ready to fight for that unity to occur. Unity among human beings, even redeemed, unperfect human beings, is difficult. You have family members, you get along with everybody, but you love them. Why don't you just get along? You know how difficult that is. 
Well, same thing here in the church. I'm telling you, chapter 4, we'll talk a little bit about that. A couple of ladies that were involved in ministry couldn't get along. They were causing drama in the church. I know at Crossman we don't ever have any drama, so that's not really applicable. <laughs> right. You know, as a pastor, one of my privileges is to deal with drama. And I can tell you, there's always drama. And I know I don't know all the drama that's going on. I don't want to if I don't need to. But just with the drama that I know about, plenty of drama going on. You have to fight. You have to be courageous. You cannot be cowardly. And you can't sit back and assume that unity is going to occur. And so the first verses, 1 through 4, all about unity. And I can't spend too much time on that, so I'm going to move on. I'm going to talk a little bit about worship in verses 9 through 11. This is chapter 2 of Philippians is one of the most outstanding portions when it comes to writings about who Christ is. Verse 9 through 11 says, when it comes to worship, Therefore God has also highly exalted Jesus Christ and has given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every knee will surrender in adoration and acknowledgement that he is Lord. So it says, every knee should bow. And Paul tells us what that means. He says, of those in heaven, Christians in heaven, those on earth, people that are alive now, and then those under the earth, who might that be? The dead, and I believe including those who are already in hell will bow their knees in recognition that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's an amazing statement. That every tongue should confess, agree with God, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What does it mean to worship? What does it mean to adore God? This is, this is our worship service, and we do get to sing and, and worship the Lord in a special way. But worship is recognizing Jesus Christ's lordship of your life in every aspect of your life. Jesus Christ is the creator of all things. There isn't anything he, that he's not lord over. He owns it all. It's amazing. So that speaks of, of worship and, and, and I think the rest of, the, the, rest of the, chap, the chapter, chapter 2 of Philippians, really has to do with service, serving people who serve, and, uh, and sacrificing. And I want us to understand the seven principles that you have on the handout are all biblical. It's not something that we got together and made up. It's like, you know, what should, what should we ask the uh, Crosspoint members to be involved in? Ah, maybe some prayer. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all biblical. What does it mean to be part of a local church? Those seven principles are not all inclusive, but those seven principles are really important. And what we're saying is that if you're going to commit yourself to being a member of Crosswind, I really hope that you do. Part of our job as elders is to encourage you to be involved in these seven principles here at Crosspoint, to be involved in worship in growth, in service, in giving, in praying, in unity, and in sacrifice. If we become all about that, we will be better disciples of the Lord 
And God's going to not only transform us, but use us in a way that, that will be honoring to him. And I think it will be really exciting for all of us. So here it is. You should have gotten also a handout that has serve and sacrifice as a title, Philippians 2. The main point is that God is glorified through church members who are willing to serve and sacrifice. And so the basic question is, are you willing to serve and sacrifice? And listen, sorry, but most of us say like, yeah, of course. Anything for the Lord. It's like, okay, so what are you doing? Well, right now I'm taking a break, you know, because, you know, I got this and I got that and I got this and the other. And, uh, part of what we need to do is to learn to stop making excuses and really get serious about what it is that it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does it really mean that he is Lord of my life? So what I want to do this morning is this. To serve and sacrifice means is the three points. We're going we're gonna to complete that phrase, and we have three points. What does it mean to serve and sacrifice? Well, to serve and to sacrifice means, point number one, to be like Christ our Lord. To be like Christ, what it... What does that mean? Let me read to you again what he did, starting in verse 5. Uh, I believe on the screen you're going to have only one verse, verse 7, but I'm going to read verses 5 through 8. This is our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm saying he's a perfect example of what it means to serve and sacrifice. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Which mind is that? Verse 6. Who being in the form of God, he is God. He did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. That means he didn't... He didn't he understood, he knows that he's God, but he didn't hang on to that. But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, that's his incarnation 2,000 years ago, and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. All of that, the creator of the universe, the Lord of lords did all of that. He humbled himself. Being God himself, he became man. And he humbled himself to the point of death. And it says, even death at the cross. The worst death, he was willing to humble himself to become the sacrifice for our sins. He is the epitome of what it means to be a servant, a sacrificing servant. What does it mean for us as Christians? As Crosspoint members, well, be like him. Humble yourself. We've talked a lot about humility. How difficult it is to humble ourselves. And I don't know about you, but I hope nobody here is thinking like, yeah, I'm pretty humble. They, I remember reading a, a bumper sticker. It's hard to be humble when you're so great. Is that you? Is that you? If God humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross, what does it mean for us to serve and to sacrifice? We humble ourselves. That means, you know, we're not God. What, what he did, we cannot replicate. Nobody can. But the idea is that he humbled himself. And he calls us to be humble. All through scripture, Christians are to be humble people. And humility doesn't mean you think less of yourself. It means you think of yourself less. 
right? You don't have to be like, oh, I'm so this, I'm so that, putting yourself down. Well, I'm working on humbling. My... That's not what it is. God made you fearfully and wonderfully, and he gave you all these gifts and talents and abilities. You don't have to look down on yourself. What you have to do is you take all that God has given you and say, Lord, all of this belongs to you. How do you want me to use it? Be the Lord of my life. And what does that mean? You serve people. How? I don't know what God has called you to do, but find something to do. In the bulletin, it says, you know, hey, we need people to do this, people to do that. And I'm so grateful for all the sacrificing servants that we have here at Crosswood. We have many that volunteer their time week after week and are consistent in their commitment to serving. I appreciate everything that everyone does here at Crosspoint. And it should be like that. All of us should be putting everything that we can towards the work that Crosspoint Christian Church is doing to further God's kingdom. That's what you're invited to. You're invited to come, bring your talents, bring your abilities, bring your treasures, and let's lay them at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, use whatever I have. And as we all do that collectively, boy, this church is going to explode. I'm excited about that. There's lots to serve in, but the one thing you need is humility, and we learn that from the Lord. Point number two. Sorry, let me just say that the verse that's on there, it says that he made himself of no reputation. If I was to ask, how many of you here are offended this morning by someone or by something that happened in the last month? Um, I would imagine that most of us would raise our hands. I doubt that there will be anyone that did not have something for which they've been offended by somebody else. It's called life. Life is very unfair. There's evil in this world. But what are you going to do about it? You're going to defend your reputation? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know how you should treat me? Don't you know what I deserve? Or are you going to make yourself of no reputation and take the form of a bondservant? I have to say this. I'm not promoting allowing yourself to be abused. That's not what I'm saying. That's a whole different issue. And I'll say it again. When you allow people to abuse you, it's not, a, it's not a commendable thing. It's not you carrying the cross of Christ. It's you allowing sin to be perpetrated upon you. And so you want to stop that. You don't want to be part of that. I felt I need to say that. Point number two, to serve and to sacrifice means to be like Timothy. Look at verses 19 through 24. So basically, chapter two, you could look at it as, as Paul talking about Christ our Lord Timothy, and then somebody else for point number three. I can't tell you that yet. I'm not there yet. So listen to verses 19 to 24. What can we learn from Timothy as it comes about when it, come, when it comes to serving and sacrificing? Paul says, you know, he's in prison, so he says, I'm going to send you Timothy so that I can know what, what's going on with you guys. He says, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. And listen to the description, Paul's description of Timothy. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. He says, I don't have anybody else that will sincerely care for you, 
that's like-minded, that will care for you the way I care for you. And then he says, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. He's talking about people in the church. He's probably even talking about people that, that ran with him, that, that went on these missionary journeys saying, I don't have anybody else. And in other, other portions, he says, hey, these people that were with me doing the work, they've abandoned me. So he says, Timothy is not like that. He doesn't seek his own. He's like-minded. And then he says, but you know his proven character. You want people to trust you? You want people to follow you? You need to have a proven character. You can't just tell people, trust me. You can't just tell people, hey, follow me, I'm the leader. They need to see a proven character, parents. Boy, that AC turned off right on cue. I, I, can't, I can't emphasize this enough. We're asking you to, be, to commit yourself to being members of Crosspoint, but your kids are not my responsibility as much as they are yours. You want your kids to respect you? You want your children to follow you? You want your children to love the Lord and obey Him? Don't tell them. Show them. If you have to tell someone to respect you, if you have to, have to tell someone to follow you, you're already, you're already uh, on the red. You're already not in a good place. But of, of Timothy, he says, you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Man, that's so much in there. But I'll just say this. If you ever want to be a good leader, you have to learn to be a good follower. If you're not willing to follow, don't expect God to use you as a leader. And he says, you know, Timothy, he's like-minded. He doesn't just seek his own. He's like a son serving with his father. You know the implication, the obvious implication there? Is that Timothy knew how to submit to Paul's authority and leadership. And now he's sending him out to lead. Ever heard the uh, very politically incorrect statement of... Um, too many chiefs, not enough Indians. You know what that means? Many times there's issues, even at homes. Everybody wants to lead. Everybody wants to do things or have things done the way they think, and nobody wants to submit to anybody else. Ephesians, Paul says, talking to couples, submit to one another. In the church, we are to submit ourselves to one another. I'm not here standing saying, like, you need to submit to us. In a way, the elders have a certain responsibility, and you are being asked to submit to the leadership and authority of the elders. But when you read the documents that I gave you, you're going to read there that it says, none of us elders, and myself included, have any authority outside the authority of Scripture. You know what that means? That means we're all equal. We're all brothers and sisters. We all have different gifts, talents, and responsibilities, but we are to submit ourselves to one another. I love that. Timothy's awesome. Go back and read Timothy and say, how do I need to be more like Timothy? And on your handout, on the handout for the sermon, it has a question like that. Point number three, to serve and to sacrifice at cross point means to be like Epaphroditus. Who's Epaphroditus? I love Epaphroditus. I want to meet Epaphroditus. And I'm going to call him Epi when I get to heaven. I hope he doesn't mind. Epaphroditus, listen to what it says about him. Verse 25 through 30, 
This is an awesome individual. He says, yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier. Woo! But your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. So the Philippians had sent Epaphroditus on their behalf to minister to Paul and to take the gifts for Paul. And, to, and they probably told him, whatever Paul needs, just help him. Serve him. You're our representative. He was a Philippian representative to minister to Paul and take him the gift. Since he was longing, verse 26, since he was longing for you all and was distressed. Why was he distressed? Because you, Philippians, had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death. But God had mercy on him and not only on him but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So Epaphroditus leaves the Philippians as an ambassador, representative of the Philippians. He goes, ministers to Paul, and he gets sick along the way or while he's ministering to Paul. And he's, he almost dies. It says he came close to death. And then he says, but God had mercy on him and on me also, Paul says, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, verse 28, I send him the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful. Verse 29, listen to this. Receive him. Therefore, in the Lord, with all gladness, receive him back. He didn't fail. I'm sending him back, Paul says. He did a great job. He did his thing. He almost died in his service to me on your behalf. And then he says, receive him with gladness. And not only that, but, and hold such men in esteem. Epaphroditus was a servant. They had a gift, and they said, we need to send it to, we need to get it to Paul. We need somebody to go. And they weren't looking for somebody with a master's degree or PhD, high in theology. Very, they, we just need somebody to take the gift, somebody responsible that will go and minister to Paul. We need a servant. And I don't know how it happened. I don't think he was voluntold. Well, you know, Epaphroditus is not working right now. Maybe he could go. I don't think that's how it went down. And I don't think Epaphroditus was like, well, I would go, but well, if nobody else wants to go, that's what we get a lot when we ask people for help. If nobody, put me down, but uh, like as a, as a, you know, alternate, as an alternate. If nobody else wants to go, then, mm, and everything's okay with me, and I'm not, nothing else happening, then I'll, it wasn't like that. I, I'm sure Epaphroditus just said, oh, somebody needs to go and minister to Paul? I'll go. How I wish that we all have that attitude. We need to set up on Friday night. I'll be there. We need to clean up on Sunday afternoon. I'll be there. We need translators. I'm just saying things that are in the bulletin in our newsletter. We need translators. I speak Spanish and I'll translate. We need somebody to go at 7 in the morning to set up at the park. There's people there from 7 in the morning setting up. For what? For you to enjoy yourself when you go to the park. I'll do it. We need a, we need a drummer. I'll do it. We need a guitarist. I'll do it. We need a janitor. Oh, I don't know about that one. I'll do it. I'll go. I'll serve. And, and maybe Epaphroditus will serve. Here goes my sanctified Imagination. Maybe Epaphroditus was already sick. And he said, I'll go anyway. And I could see somebody say, but you should stay back. 
Rest. I'll rest when I get to heaven. I'll go. And if I die in my service to Paul for the Lord, then I'll die. I'd rather die while doing God's work than live comfortably minding my own business. I think that was Epaphroditus' attitude. What is your attitude? It says, verse 20, 20, 30 again, because of the work of Christ, he came close to death. I will take that as a badge of honor. That something like that will be said of me or anything close to that. Because of his service to the Lord, because of the work of the kingdom, Mike came close to death. He gave it all. I used to be an athlete, beloved. And I had a little bit of that mamba mentality, a little bit. That means every practice I never missed. If I was sick, I went to practice. I may have not gone to school, but I went to practice. I don't think I ever missed practice. I remember missing one practice in three years. My high school was three years. And that was because our, our worship team, which I was part of, like a, uh, uh, what do you call that? A, 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 a praise team. We went to go sing at, a, at a, somewhere. And I remember telling my coach, I have to leave early today. And he got all my case. I was like, I've never missed that's the only time I remember missing. Why am I saying that? I know what it's like to work hard at something. And I did that for volleyball and basketball. For me not to do something close or similar or even more for the Lord is shameful. Every once in a while I get somebody say, how do you do it, Mike? You know, they get a little glimpse of all the stuff that I get to do as a pastor. How do you do that? How do you deal with that? How do you... And I kind of, I don't know, to me it's pretty normal. I don't mind sacrificing, and I'm not here saying, like, oh, I'm just super sacrificial. But what I do do, I have no regrets. And I'm encouraged by many of you who have the same attitude. I praise God for that. I thank God for you who have that same attitude. You have your regular job. You have your family. You have all the responsibilities, and yet here you are committed to serving and sacrificing. God honors that. That's where you want to be. That's where I want to be. That's where... The leadership of the church is calling you to be. Get out of the boat. Get out of your comfort zone. Be willing to serve and to sacrifice for God's kingdom. You won't regret it. Let's have our praise team come up here. They are going to sing a last song. They're going to lead us in worship with one more song. During that time, we're going to have some couples up here that are ready to pray for you. With you or for you. Come up. Don't wait until your life seems like it's falling apart. If it is, get some prayer. If it's not quite there yet, come get some prayer um, during the, the last song, and then I'm going to come up and, and uh, dismiss us with prayer at the end. All right, church, we're going to lead us in our last song here. Um, like Pastor Mike was saying, feel free to um, come up and pray with our ushers here. Um, and yes, um, let's praise God. So before we start, I'd love to say some scripture from where the song was inspired by. 
Um, in Numbers 6, 24 through 26, it says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In Psalms 134.3, it says, May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. So when you say, May the Lord bless you, you're praying for that over others, that God would lead, guide, direct, bless, save, deliver, help, protect, provide, and all these different things.
pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for you allowing us the opportunity to gather. We thank you for this local church. We ask your blessing. We pray for your protection. We ask that you would use us in a way that would bring honor and glory to your name individually, not just here at church, but everywhere we go all the time, that we would be aware of your presence and your power in us and through us. I ask that you would dismiss us with your blessing. We pray for the picnic that we're going to have, time of fellowship and praise. And I thank you for every member here, Father. Help us to be mindful of the fact that you have called us to be servants of yours that are willing to sacrifice for your kingdom and your glory. We thank you. We ask you this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our eternal Lord. Amen. God bless you, beloved. You're dismissed. Good job, everybody.